president of APAS is taking a cautious approach to the inauguration of Donald Trump as president of the United States. Trump has talked about renegotiating the free trade agreement. APAS president Todd Lewis says both sides are winners from the trade agreement. Wait and see kind of thing, and I know uh, certainly uh, anytime we talk trade, it's uh, important for us in Saskatchewan. We're we're trade dominated certainly, and the U.S. is one of our major customers. So you know, as we go forward, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, there's been lots of talk about renegotiating NAFTA and everything else, but we'll see what uh, actually happens uh, beyond the rhetoric. And hopefully, I think you know our trading relationship with the states is, has been good for both sides of the border. And uh, hopefully, that as they look at how our relationship is, that they realize that it's a good thing for both countries. So you're taking a wait and see attitude is the best way to look at it. Absolutely. The Trump administration will likely bring up the free trade agreement, as I said and as well the uh, the cattle trade are you concerned about that area at all well as, as i said i think it'll you know we'll, we'll see what comes on the table and certainly you know through the uh, entire uh, cool process and and uh, so on uh, you know we were on the right side of that and hopefully pardon the pun but cooler heads prevail and we can go forward with the sort of business as usual is, is what uh, certainly we hope to see now, on another topic, uh, we've had some incredibly mild weather. What impact do you see that having on crops out in the field? There's an estimated 1.5 million acres of crops still out there. Basically, a lot depends on the snowpack. That It's uh, quite variable across the province. Certainly the southeast uh, part of the province has a, a, a lot of snow, so uh, I would suspect down there that you know there's not much ground even open yet. But other parts of the province have had less snow, and there's more dirt sticking out all the time. So if uh, once a little bit of dirt starts showing, Federation of Agriculture annual meeting. What came out of that meeting? It was in Camrose on uh, Wednesday and Thursday of this week. Certainly the big topic over there was the carbon levy that was put on by the province. Certainly lots of questions about how it will affect producers' bottom line. And there were some answers, I think, probably uh, certainly the the uh, marked fuel in, in Alberta is uh, exempt from the carbon levy. I think a lot of the how, how it's going to play out you know, at the bottom, on farmers and producers' bottom lines as far as fertilizer pricing and, and uh, those kind of issues are still to be determined as, as it plays itself out over the, the next month. Todd Lewis is the president of APAS and farms about 40 kilometres southeast of Regina near Gray. The Saskatchewan Environment Ministry has a warning for rural residents, don't feed the deer. Provincial deer biologist Allison Henderson says winter starvation can occur, but giving supplemental feeding to deer can cause more harm than good. She says when deer eat food like hay or grain, which is not part of their winter diet, they cannot digest it and may end up starving to death even with a full stomach. In some parts of the province, particularly the southeast, we have heavy snow mixed with those recent cold temperatures, and that can lead to um, deer seeking outside of their regular winter habitat. People should not feed deer because they are ruminants and have these special four-part stomachs. 
so they rely on microbes to help digest the woody vegetation that makes up much of their natural winter diet. And when deer feed on supplemental foods such as hay or pellets or oats, or any other things we might provide supplementally, it can shock their system and they can actually die with a full stomach, unable to digest the food that we've provided. Beyond that, this supplemental feeding can draw animals away from good winter cover and that can increase predation, congregate the animals and lead to disease concerns as well. But this happens quite a bit on the farm where many deer find the haystack, they find the food that was meant for cattle. So in that situation, when deer have been feeding on haystacks all through the fall, all through the winter, they may not experience those high uh, levels of fatality from this new feed because it's not new feed. However, it is still congregating animals leading to possible predation issues or disease concerns. Can deer fast? Can they go without food for any length of time? Oh, yes. Deer have wonderful biological adaptations like thick winter coats, fat reserves, they have reduced metabolic rates, they move really slowly or sedentary in the winter, and that helps them survive for a number of weeks without feed. So they do build up their fat reserves in the fall in advance of winter, and hopefully, if this one's not that severe and if spring comes on time, then they should be just fine. What is the best benefit producers can do to help look after their wild deer population? You know, the best thing that producers can do is help the ministry maintain larger blocks of aspen on the landscape. So those blocks of aspen provide crucial winter habitat for deer, provide cover, provides food sources, and those big blocks of habitat are where deer travel to, to seek safety through the winter. But you're saying if you feed deer in the winter, you can't be doing more harm than good? You can. You actually can. Don't feed the wildlife. Now, is that true for most wildlife, really, as, is, as a rule? Yes, although it's particularly true for deer, in terms of their rumen not being able to digest that new feed. Other animals, too, benefit most best through the winter by surviving in their natural habitat. Alison Henderson is the Provincial Deer Biologist with the Saskatchewan Ministry of the Environment. Canal Lab is back for another year, an interactive workshop that features live canola plants and insects. There will be two separate one-day sessions to choose from, Wednesday, February 15th or Thursday, February 16th in Regina. Canola Council of Canada agronomy specialist Nicole Philp says it's the first time Canola Lab is being held in Regina. We have some really fantastic speakers lined up. We've got Linda Matthews and Clark Brenzel coming in to talk about weeds. We've got Gary Pang and Barb Zeisman coming in to talk about diseases. Jeff Shano is coming in to talk about fertility. We've got some new researchers uh, with Egg Canada and Saskatoon coming down to talk about Swede Midge. So we've got some really fantastic speakers lined up and uh, we're really excited that it's coming to Regina. Philp says Cannell Lab is a hands-on event. Absolutely. We have lots of plant material coming in. So it's a really fantastic way to kind of touch and feel all these things that you might see in the field. There's lots of plants coming in. We've got bugs coming in. So there's lots to do, lots to learn, and lots to talk about, and we keep it small intentionally. Um, you know, we really want the groups to be small. People go through the sessions, we'll probably split you up into four groups, and so you're in groups of about 20 people, and we just find that it's a really fantastic way to, uh, you know, encourage conversation with the presenters and between attendees and uh, take a look at, at bugs and plants and all that fun stuff. Philip says there's something new every year. It's a new location first off and we've got some different speakers than we've had previously and of course I mean messaging and agronomy is always changing and being updated so you know if it's been a couple years even if you were there last year you'll probably pick up something a little bit different. 
That's Canola Council of Canada agronomy specialist Nicole Philp. Canolab is a one-day workshop which is being offered on two separate days in Regina on Wednesday, February 15th, Thursday the 16th. Registration fee is $150 plus GST and includes lunch. The Provincial Ministry of Agriculture has a new oilseed specialist. Matthew Bernard started his new job this past October. I originally came from a farm about 60 miles south of Regina. My family's still farming down there. Myself, in recent years, I've been studying at the U of S, at the College of Ag Bio, so more on the, the lab side of things. So uh, my thesis work there involved researching developing oat seed and uh, omega fatty acid production, the healthy oil production in oat seed. So some people say I have... Uh, farmer's perspective of molecular biology and some people think I have a molecular biologist's perspective of farming. Bernard still helps out on the family farm. Yes, yeah, in starting this role I moved back to Regina. It's great to be able to get back out to the farm. It's only an hour's drive which is pretty good for the weekend and I can get two days in when they need me. Bernard describes his job. My portfolio covers canola, flax, mustard, carinata, camelina, and sunflowers all across the province and my role is sort of a point of contact between the government and the grower groups, commodity groups, as well as between the farmers and the government. So part of it is to communicate information back and forth as well as look for value-added opportunities in the oilseed industry and also look for possible new market access. Bernard says many late harvested oil seeds went into bins with too much moisture last fall. A lot of the grain going to the bins is tough or even damp. Pretty high moisture content and not ideal for long-term storage. So the temperature of the air going into the bin as well isn't ideal for drying down that grain. It's been below 10 degrees Celsius. In those cases, with natural air drying, a lot of people are using uh, uh, supplemental heat with their natural air drying systems so they don't have access to grain dryers. In those cases, it's really important to consider using CSA-approved heaters. The most effective drying process is to make sure that drying front moves throughout the bulk, but also for safety reasons. We might have all seen what, what can happen in a bad scenario. If someone's jimmy-rigged up their own drying system, and it's, it's not an actual CSA-approved heater. Matthew Bernard is Saskatchewan Agriculture's Provincial Specialist for Oilseed Crops. The Market Update on The Source, 620 CKRM. Grain prices were mixed in early trading today. Viterra prices for Durham fell $1.86 at 30709. Canola gained 260 at 47532. Oats rose $4.02 2 at 187.90. Number 1 red spring wheat increased 92 cents at 23209. The rest were unchanged. Feed barley 142.14. Flax 50355. Yellow peas, $304. Feed wheat, $147.48. On the Minneapolis Grain Exchange, March wheat is down 5.5 cents at five seventy one dollars a bushel. And now the latest livestock quotations. This is Grant Barnett with the Market Report. Heartland Livestock here in Moose Jaw. 1,200 at our pre-sort on Tuesday. 500-plus cows on Thursday at our regular sale. At our pre-sort on Tuesday, Kevin Forward out of Wood Mountain. He had a one-owner set of 545 weight, red and black mixed steers. They bring like 205. The 600-pound steers, they topped out at 194, 195. This market looks like it's pretty steady from what it was here just before New Year's. The cow market looks like it was 2 to 3 bucks lower this week. And real top, high-yielding cows, they're going to bring from 92 right up to a buck on the real top, top cows. The feeding kind of cows, they're going to bring anywhere from 92 to a buck. The real good young feeding cows will bring 95 to $1.510, maybe 15 at the very, very top. Next pre-sort is on the 31st of January. 
We're selling cows and bulls every Thursday. This is Grant Barnett reporting. Let's have a great afternoon. And now the latest Saskatchewan pork prices. This is the Hams Market Commentary for Friday, January 20th. Hams sold 5,500 hogs Thursday, selling in a range of 153 to 155 per CKG. Today's sales are expected to be around 4,000 head, selling in a range of 156 to 150.